0: This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material
1: may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. You're listening to Minutia Men. But
2: first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Men celebrity interview, we talked to Amy Landecker. Your husband is obviously very politically uh, active. Um, I, I follow him on Twitter.
0: Let's go bother him now.
1: I'm oh,
2: sure. okay. Right. We're waking up Bradley Woodford right now. He'll love it. Rick, this should be a new bit that we do. Yes, absolutely.
1: Oh, he's in the shower. Wait. Oh, this is even
2: better.
3: Honey. What? Oh, and he's naked, so I definitely won't. Turn oh
2: no. Okay. All right. I'm right. gonna have to draw the line here. <laughs> okay. Minutia Man, celebrity interview. An OPI show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, Radiomisfits.com
1: The following is a Tony Lasano Podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man, Man with Rick and Dave. Hey, hey, hey,
2: how are ya? <laughs> Woo! They haven't left the house. Woo! <laughs> uh, Rick and Dave in isolation. Back for another episode of Minutia Men. Um, do you
3: remember? Do you yeah. remember? Get Get smart. The cone of silence.
2: Sure, of course. You know,
3: and that's what I'm. Invi- that's what I want our listeners to envision. That we've got a 35 mile <laughs> long cone of silence that I, we're doing. I think right. we're
2: not that far apart. I think we're only <laughs> about. Uh, 17, 16 17 yeah, miles okay. away from each other. Um but we are doing it remotely as you can hear we're uh we're following CDC guidelines. And I was watching uh TV last night and the other night uh David and I I I want to share something with you. Sure. Uh have you seen Stephen Colbert doing his show from home?
3: Um I've seen I haven't seen a full show but I've seen bits and pieces of some of the stuff he's done, yeah.
2: Okay. So the the funny part of it is, and and also John Oliver doing the show from his home, they right. were both on together on I think it was Monday night, and they started discussing what it was like to have to run their own equipment, <laughs> yeah, and the look in their eyes. John Oliver at one point tells the story of he was talking to his uh, his uh, tech guys, and he 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 said just pretend like you're talking to a four-year-old and you're trying to explain it to a four-year-old. And Colbert started cracking up because he had been going through the exact same thing. And I thought to myself, and I get unending shit for having a hard time with this. Right. And these guys, that's, that's if John
3: Oliver can't fucking do it, how am I supposed to be able He's to do it? He's right? 15
2: years younger than me. <laughs>
3: um i you know and i saw something i don't know what it was some cnn interview that's like some little kid walks in to the you know walks into the reporter's room while he's doing honey leave you know (laughs) um,
2: yeah i mean come on be nicer to me this is hard
3: well and this kind of reminds me of a story too so we have not gone out for groceries Uh, We are we're kind of we're we're taking this very seriously, you know, staying indoors. What are you eating cardboard? What? What are you eating cardboard? No, we no, we did Instacart. You know what Instacart is? It's one of these. It's like it's a grocery delivery services, right? Okay. So we went ahead and Michelle it's I mean it's it's not an easy thing to do online you know you you got to go through inventory at your house to make sure everything that you you know you need and she took like 2 or 3 hours to do it but she sends in the order uh, and then while there's there's like an Instacart guy you have like the guy shopping
2: yeah, and your, he keeps your personal texting. your personal shopper
3: right and he's Having the exact same issues I have with her grocery lists. And she, and uh, so, listen, I mean, all I can
2: find is the Atlantic salmon. Does it say right. Atlantic
3: salmon? It does right. not. Right. right, Pacific North Coast. <laughs> and, and, uh, and she's just like texting him and they're texting back and forth. And I can see. I mean, I, I, I'm not seeing him obviously but I know his facial expression it's eye rolls and like Jesus lady <laughs>
2: doesn't that make you feel better though
3: right welcome to my world buddy yeah uh, hey'm I'm, l- I'm a little worried about you can I Why? Get a little- yeah. well a couple days ago on Facebook or maybe it was yesterday you you, you made a post and it was almost sentimental <laughs> even even caring and possibly a little weepy.
2: And Dave, Dave, I've, I have, there are many sides to Rick Kempfer. This is, there's not just the, the uh, stone faced, no emotion Rick Kempfer. There's, there's, if you peel away the onions, I mean, you got to peel. You got to yeah. peel deep.
3: Oh yeah, I, I'm sure. But, but it's you in were there. I, and, and I'm like, look at him. Like, oh my God. My first thought was, you're going to lose your German card. You're going to get, you're going to get, and Angela Merkel's going to call you and go, I need it back. Now send it yeah. back.
2: Yeah, well, in case you didn't see it, uh, what I wrote was how uh, despite all the terrible things that are happening, and obviously terrible things are happening, people are sick, people are dying, it's, it's awful out there, and people are losing their jobs, there's all sorts of reports today about jobs loss. My Six point, million. Yeah, it's bad. Uh-huh. My point was, yes, all of that is terrible. But I must confess that I am loving having my whole family at home with me. And they can't go anywhere. They have to stay. And it's forcing us to spend time together. And I'm really loving it because both, you know, my two older sons, they were talking about moving out. Uh, It's, you know, my youngest son, Sean, he's a, a junior in high school. He's got one year and then he'll be off to college. Bridget works way too many hours. I never see her it's just usually me and the dog and now you know we're all here and i'm actually loving it so what day do you think you're turning
3: is it day 47 you're gonna wish for the old days what, well,
2: how what long are we on now like day 17 or something like yeah, that yeah 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 I, I got about three four days left in me
3: yeah okay right so uh okay well not well, I be good.
2: nice for once can't i have one nice day where i say something well, nice
3: and listen, watching your, and I was not the first person, to, the only person to have that reaction. Looking at the comments <laughs> of your page, is like, who is this? What'd you do with
2: Rick? <laughs> well, you know, all I can say is I'm a three-dimensional person. And uh, uh, it's about time everybody understood that. Yes. Yeah.
3: Uh, hey, we've got a great show, Rick. We do. And we always do, obviously. But we've got a bonafide movie star. Coming on later on, we've got D.B. Sweeney. That's and for right. those of, Now, for those of you who may not know D.B. Sweeney by name, you'd certainly know him by face. Uh, he was in Eight Men Out. He was, uh, for a while, he was on... Uh, he
2: was Shula's Joe. He was Shula's Joe. That's Eight like Man the Out. big role in that movie.
3: Yeah. Um, he was on, what, uh, Two and a Half Men, and he's in a, just a ton of other... Um,
2: he was in Lonesome uh, Dove. He, uh, you know... You've seen him. Trust me, you've seen him. And he's uh, and he's a good actor. He lives in Chicago apparently. So we'll we'll be uh, we'll be talking to him a little
3: bit later, and then for our other show because we you know
2: the minutemen celebrity interview.
3: Yeah, we've got Amy Landecker yeah. is going to be on, and I believe is that airing next Saturday next week. Or next yes, yeah, next Saturday. So think, we are yeah. ju- we are pulling levers. Uh, we, we are making deals. Uh, we're, and on we're, top we're, of
2: all of that. We have minutia right now. Yeah, so why don't you cue, cue it, baby? Uh, I've asked you not to do that. Oh, why? Because you don't know. You
3: can't find it. Is that well, I what? don't.
2: I mean, if I have it, I'll say it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry.
3: All right. Sorry. Uh, hey, Rick. Yeah. Have you ever been
2: to Malaysia? I have never been to Malaysia, and now I may never go.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Uh, although you could get a flight for like sixteen bucks if you wanted <laughs> to go to Malaysia. True. Uh, Well, I think you and I could probably be elected to office and maybe run the country there. Really? Headline, Malaysia apologizes for telling women not to nag during the lockdown.
2: (laughs) Is that that really bad advice, though? I think it's not bad
3: advice. (laughs) Malaysia apologized on Tuesday. After telling women to avoid nagging their husbands and speak in an infantile voice oh, during con- c- coronavirus lockdowns, okay,
2: that last part's that's <laughs> real bad.
3: In a series of Facebook posts, the Malaysian Women's Ministry—so obviously the Malaysian Women's Ministry is run by an idiot guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly.
3: Offered tips for how wives should behave during the lockdown which began on March 18th with a series of online posters with the hashtag women prevent COVID 19 wow. Okay. One of the campaign posters depicted a man sitting on a sofa and asked women to refrain from being sarcastic if they need help with household chores. You know, uh, we could use that poster here. I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, another, uh, poster you, know what, advised- you know
2: what my wife always says to me when I complain about nagging, mm. just stop being stupid.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know. Comma dumbass. Yeah. But Um, another poster advised women at home to wear makeup and dress neatly rather than in casual clothes. Oh, now my God.
2: this is okay. Go ahead. I'm I'm going to look uh, for something. Go ahead.
3: No. So what What I was saying is on Facebook, because I'm living basically, through the world with facebook i'm seeing lots of women taking pictures of themselves and they are not getting dressed up or putting makeup on i'm right. just saying that right and i think it's awesome and I neither think are,
2: it's are we by the way no
3: of course not yeah. of course not and i think that that and i i love the fact that we can just be who we are finally it took a worldwide pandemic for us to shed the masks that we wear right
2: <laughs> okay i, I I've, been, I've been looking for this while you're talking here um this is a, a bit that we did uh, when I was on Landecker Show, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's actually a real thing. In May of 1955, Housekeeping Monthly published an article entitled The Good Wife's Guide. <laughs> okay, so this is the 50s, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there are 10 tips for uh, uh, to be the perfect wife. Would you like to hear them?
3: Sure. Well, hold on. Let me mute. Uh, Michelle's in the basement. Okay. Do it quietly. Okay. Do it really fast.
2: I will say that Bridget was not amused by this uh, when we <laughs> yeah. did it on the air. But Well, now I sure. can't laugh
3: at any of these, but well, go it's, ahead.
2: This is not, we don't believe this. No. We no. are not in favor of this. We're just saying no. that this is how it was in 1955. We are, we're very, uh, oh, uh, we're feminists. Yeah. Both of yeah. us are feminists. Yeah.
3: yeah. I got the big fist shirt right now. Absolutely. I'm wearing.
2: All right. So here we go. Number one, have dinner ready. Plan ahead. (laughs) Even the night before to have a delicious meal ready on time for his return. This is a way Uh, of letting him know that you've been thinking about him and you're concerned about his needs.
3: um, Every every day at like a quarter after five, we say, oh, shit, we haven't done anything for dinner. (laughs) It's like, it's like it comes every freaking day and yet we still don't realize it until like 10 minutes before you know
2: i'll I'll just forward this to michelle uh, (laughs) number two most men are hungry when they come home and the prospect (laughs) of a good meal especially his favorite dish is a part of the warm welcome okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) number three prepare yourself take 15 minutes to rest so you'll be refreshed when he arrives touch up your makeup put a ribbon in your hair be fresh looking He's been through a lot with work-weary people,
3: right? Right, and in the 1950s, he's had, had like seven martinis. <laughs> right,
2: exactly, exactly. And he's been hitting on his secretary all day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, number four, be a little gay and have a little, and be a little more interesting for him. His boring day may need a lift, and one of your duties is to provide it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> do vaudeville. Get a dump. Do- <laughs> learn ventriloquism. Da 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 da. <laughs> Uh, number five, clear away the clutter. Make one last trip through the main part of the house just before your husband's arrives and gather up the school books and the toys and the paper and, and, and just run a dust cloth over the tables. <laughs> number six, over the cooler months of the year, your husband should, prepare, uh, should be prepared to have a, a fire lit for him so he can unwind by it. He'll feel that uh, he's reached a haven of rest and order, and it'll give you a lift too. After all, catering for his comfort will provide you with immense personal satisfaction.
3: We, we've got to we've got to find the person who wrote this and interview them.
2: Yeah, I think they're long dead.
3: <laughs> yeah, or were, they were killed. Yeah, is pretty much.
2: Uh, anyway, it goes on like that. You get the, you get the idea. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the last one is. Uh, you may have a dozen important things to tell him, but the moment of his arrival is not the time <laughs> Let him talk first. Remember, his <laughs> topics of conversation are more important than yours. Yeah, because in the
3: 50s. He had to talk about racism. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the uh, track. <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the, the bomb. Yeah. Uh, um, all
2: right. So I have some uh, minutia to share with you, too. And by the way, uh-huh. we disavow all of that, don't we? No,
3: absolutely. absolutely.
2: Strongly. Strongly disavow all of it. All right. So we are in uh, isolation, as we've mentioned, um, and the whole country is. Now, normally that would be a a situation where um, creative people would be sidelined and would have nothing to do, right? Because they're they're stuck at home. But no, that's not how creative people work. Uh, There are uh, coronavirus parodies and songs popping up all across the country. And I wanted to share just a few seconds of a few of these with you. All right. Mm -hmm. If you want to go to my blog, rickkemper.blogspot.com, I've been collecting them. But here's a few of the really good ones that I'd like to share with you. The first one here um, is, let's see I can find it. Um, It is called My Corona. All right. I think you can kind of guess what what song this is going to be. We'll do like 15 or 20 seconds of it for you. Here we go. This is by... A man named Chris Mann.
0: I need toilet paper, toilet paper, toilet paper. I'm out of toilet paper, it's my Corona. I need toilet paper, toilet paper, toilet paper. I'm out of toilet paper, it's my Corona. Got to make a grocery run. Well, that sounds fun. Why am I out here risking my life, Corona? Where? I
3: I saw that, and the video for that is fantastic.
2: Oh, it's really good. That's a yeah, good it, one.
3: He's like a, is he like a real, like a performer?
2: I think he or might is he? be. Yes, I think because he is. that
3: was really, really good.
2: All right, so this one, uh, the second one I want to share with you was actually done by a friend of ours who's living in Thailand right now. It's Thailand, right? Isn't he in Thailand? Yes, Bill Thailand. Page. He's actually been on the show as yes. a guest. He wrote a book for us called uh Everything, Everything I Learned. I learned from uh Everything I Know I lo- Everything Rockstar. I Know I Learned from Rockstars. Uh-huh. Yes. It's a great uh, it's a great book. It's available at Eckhart's Press. And now he has a song too. It's called down like dokes <laughs> talking coronavirus all right you ready here yeah. we go
1: an original composition When well, i heard about something that's going around a nasty cold shutting things down misinformation in the air Everybody is running scared. Ain't blaming China, could have happened anywhere. But now we got us a pandemic scared. I feel for Wuhan. Yeah, those poor folks. Everybody there gotta be down like dokes. Forget the cruise that you booked last May. Your travel agent went bankrupt today <laughs> Ain't leaving fate or time shifting sands I think I'll go and just wash my hands Well, now, a Corona Quite a surprise Dig that look of panic in everyone's eyes Can't see it, can't hear it approach Harder to kill than
2: a cockroach. <laughs> you get the idea there. That's uh, down like... Dirt. Really good. That's really good. That's, if you want to see it again, you can see it on YouTube, but it's also on uh, my blog. And then this is, I think, the best one. Um, and he'll announce who wrote the lyrics as he begins the song. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the title of it because uh, you'll you'll get it quickly. Here we go. Two.
0: Chris Franklin for these lyrics. The world has caught a virus, so I've written you a poem. We need your help to cure it, so stay the fuck at home. And if you have got 12 kids or you're living on your own, lock it down and isolate and stay the fuck at home. If you think you're not at risk here, you're living in a dome. It spreads faster than a hooker's leg, so stay the fuck at home. I need the gym, I need the beach, I hear you bitch and moan. You need to grow a brain cell and stay the fuck at home, but I feel fine. I don't feel sick I'll go out on my own How thick are you You selfish prick (laughs) Please just stay the fuck at home from L.A. through to Berlin, from Wuhan to to Rome There's people dying every day, so stay the fuck at home If you need to contact family, use Facebook, Skype or phone We've got the fucking internet, so stay the fuck at home The only way to slow it down is isolate, not roam Please help the world get back on track and stay the fuck at home Stay the fuck at home, stay the fuck at home Don't you be a fucking dick, please stay
2: the fuck at home <laughs> uh, perfect Isn't right that beautiful
3: yeah that is great and i also saw the video of that guy and he's uh i love his facial expressions when he does it he's an older man
2: he looks like dr demento
3: yeah 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 and um no it's great and i suspect we'll be seeing a lot or we'll be hearing a lot of these songs
2: well as a matter of fact on. i'm working on one uh john Landicker sent me an email last night or two nights ago, asked and he had an idea for one and asked me to write it, and I wrote it yesterday, and sent it to our good friend Vinny, Vince Argento, or who does all the audio for this mm-hmm. show, and he is in the process of writing it, and then we'll get it or, or producing it, we'll get it back, and Tommy will create a video, so maybe by next week,
3: well, our debut, will world premiere, chance. maybe yes,
2: that's right. It's okay. to the tune of Wipeout. By the surferies? Oh, why about? Yes. All right. You got um, any more? Yeah, I do. Um,
3: it appears that the people in France are having a bit of a hard time understanding the rules of the lockdown. Okay, it's okay. been in place since March seventeenth. Uh, here are some questions that people in France, the French, the Frenchians, what are they? French, the French, the frogs. <laughs> the frogs have asked the uh, the government France put uh, instituted an emergency. Coronavirus helpline, and they ask people to give up, you know, call if you have any questions. And here, do you want to hear some of the questions? Yes. Uh, can my husband spend the weekend with his mistress?
2: <laughs> well, what was the answer to that question? I, well, I don't know.
3: And I don't know who asked it, if it was the husband or the wife may have been asking the question. I don't know. Um, a stranger caressed my horse. Is there a risk of it being contaminated? Okay, I mean, I guess that's a viable yeah. question. You know,
2: their lives are a little different than ours, I'm thinking.
3: Uh, but this is my favorite one. And I, I, I've i only been to France for, I don't know, a week or so, not even three days in Paris. But my favorite one is, can I still electrocute squirrels in my yard? <laughs> <laughs> that's a so, great one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know why that would change if you're keeping social distancing, right? I think it should be fine, right?
2: I agree. OK, well, well we, ha- we have time for uh, one more feature and uh, we've got to get going because we've got DB Sweeney yeah. awaiting yeah, yeah, yeah. us. Uh, and let's uh, so let's get to this last feature.
1: A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave.
2: So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the the jar and pulls out a name of a celebrity. And I have to tell the story of having met that celebrity. Um, And last week you pulled out the name... Uh, Pete uh, Rose. Pete Pete Rose. But you you actually... Pulled it out. That's true, and and I lo- can I can I just say something? Fuck huh. Pete Rose. Can I just say that? Because <laughs> I don't really feel like telling the story. Because I'm I'm actually upset about something else that I want to talk about, and that is uh, another person. I think I've actually told the story of having met this person, that Adam Schlesinger, yeah. who was the uh, songwriter for the band Fountains of Wayne, uh, passed right. away last night uh, of coronavirus. And I'm really upset about it. I am a uh, huge fan of his. Um, and uh, let me just tell you quickly the story of how I met him. I, I met yeah. him twice, but the first time I met him was when the movie That Thing You Do came out. He wrote that song, That Thing You Do, which he got an Oscar nomination for. And if, you, if you've if you seen that film, uh, it's a Tom Hanks movie. It's It's a great movie about 60s rock and roll about one-hit wonders and stuff right. like that. In fact, the band was called The Wonders. No, The Oneeders. Oh, the Oneeders, yeah. <laughs> but what I thought was awesome about that movie was the entire premise was based on uh, these guys writing a great hit record. And mm-hmm. you had to have a hit record in order to make the whole movie work. They had to come up with a song that conceivably would have been a giant hit in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And Adam Schlesinger wrote that song. And he was like in his 20s at the time. And we booked him to come on Landecker show and it was an early morning. He was in town with his band Fountains of Wayne, which I had not heard of yet. And he came in and was so tired. It was like you know 7 in the morning, but for a musician it was like... Yeah, right <laughs> three in the morning and he was so he, he, he first of all, he was not a good interview because he was so tired. Secondly, we went to a commercial break and the uh, uh, during that commercial break, he put his head down on the counter and fell asleep. <laughs> That's how tired he was. <laughs> hey, Adam, wake up. But if you are not familiar with uh, his work. Uh, the band Fountains of Wayne—they they had a hit with a song called "Stacy's Mom," which is a great song. But there are so many others that are even better. I strongly recommend them. I picked out a few of them and put them on my blog today. But also, there um, in the last few years, he's been writing for TV, and uh, he he wrote for Broadway. He was the writer. Wrote all the the songs for the show Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Yeah, which right. your daughters may watch. That was a that was a big. Well, hit.
3: there's one song that he wrote. I suspect that he wrote uh, on it, that it's it's something like enough about the Holocaust or something. Did you ever hear? Oh, that? No, a, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, it's yeah, it's because uh, it, is it Rachel? Rachel something? Rachel
2: Bloom, the, I think.
3: Yeah. Yes, and she's upset. That her mom keeps bringing up how bad the Holocaust was. <laughs> and the song is "I know it's bad," blah 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 blah. But enough about the Holocaust or something like that.
2: He yeah. also wrote the song "Antidepressants Are Not a Big Deal" uh, <laughs> for that show, and he won an Emmy or uh, yeah, an Emmy award for that. Yeah. yeah it's, he, um, if you if you watch the Tony Awards, which I don't, <laughs> but yeah. if you do, he wrote the opening song. When Neil Patrick Harris hosted it, called "It's Not Just for Gays Anymore," which is also a great song. I mean, his songs have a sense of humor; they're yeah. really catchy and poppy. Great stuff. Super talented person. A gigantic yeah. loss. Yeah. And, and again, now we're peeling back the Rick onion. Oh peeling it back.
3: Snap out of it, man. <laughs>
2: We've got D.B. Sweeney coming out. Of, you don't want to be all weepy for D.B. Sweeney. I'm sorry. But I got to tell you, I was really upset when I yeah. heard about this because this is a huge loss and uh, uh, my my condolences. And well, you know I who also, we're going to talk about next week, Dave? Uh,
3: we are going to talk about
2: what? Whoever the hell I want to talk about. That's <laughs> yeah, I'm in charge. I've, right? charged, uh, the, I've hey, got I just, the jar here, and I'm going to pull out a, whoever the hell I want. Hey, I just want
3: to, I want to just share some more condolences now that you're bringing down the room, uh, Ed Farmer, long time, long time voice radio voice of the Chicago White Sox passed away yesterday and we would like to extend our, um, well, condolences certainly to his family, but White Sox nation too. And, um, he, um, that'd be a loss. I, I used to
2: really enjoy listening to him and DJ. Yep. Talking. as the, the radio play-by-play man for the White Sox. And speaking of White Sox, yes. we have uh, D.B. Sweeney uh, standing by. So let's take a little break. Let's uh, clear things up here. Dave, I'm going to have to take you off this line and put you on a different line because he does not have FaceTime audio. Okay. So it's going to sound a little different, uh, but we're okay. going to take a break and we'll be right back with db sweeney coming up on the next episode of the car guys report informed automotive it's those weird ideas that actually were made into cars plus more car models you won't see in 2020 i'm mark vernon join me and luke Costable for these stories and more on the car guys report a tony Lasano podcast an opi production on the radio misfits podcast network
0: hey and friends here and i think you should listen to us why is that? Well, personally, I like dragging us down rabbit holes that have little to do with the conversation at hand. Yeah, you do that all the time. I think you're a professional at it. I'd like to be. I think that's my ideal job. Just to be the tangent man. How you guys feel about peeing on a bus? <laughs> all that on And Friends, an opi show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com
1: Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. Okay,
2: Dave, our guest this week is an actor uh he's been around for many years um as long as we've been around he's he's got over 100 acting credits to his name going back to the 80s he's been in some of our favorite movies and tv shows please welcome to the show db sweeney thanks for being on the show
4: thank you guys appreciate
2: it do do your friends call you db
4: they do unless they're mad at me
2: okay (laughs) do you live in chicago
4: i do i live in the suburbs
2: well, how about that? Oh, I had no idea. What's Where
4: are you living? In Hinsdale.
2: Okay. Wow. Well, well, hey, th- you're one of us. Um, yeah, I love what's,
3: it here. What's your address and social security <laughs> number? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: we're going to get into your latest project, which is a, a very hilarious, too dumb mix. Uh, but uh, first, if you'll forgive us, Dave here is a White Sox fan, and I think you can guess which one of your movies he has seen a thousand times.
3: Yeah, uh, eight men, eight men out is one of my favorite movies. I mean, I just absolutely, uh, that and field of dreams. We had Dwyer Brown on a couple of months ago, played John Kinsella, but I just, I I think for my money, eight men out is my favorite baseball movie. I think you're great in it. And it, and, and I love the Chicago connection obviously with the white Sox, and you guys had, you know, the cast had John Cusack and John Mahoney and stud circle. Uh, Tell us about that movie. or Tell me about that movie, and please tell me how much you love the White Sox too. Can you
4: do that? I'm a huge White Sox fan. Uh, you know, from the minute I got that role, I uh, I came and I, I went to Comiskey, It was like in 1987, I think, and uh, uh, met the you know the White Sox people, and they were just great to me. And and after the movie came out, I went back to a game. And, uh, I hadn't been to a game because when I first came, they were on the road in 87 when I met the, some of the, uh, the staff, the brass, you know, Kenny Williams and a couple other guys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then when, uh, uh, when I came to see a game, I go down to my seat and I, I just, it wasn't like I went through the team. I just bought some tickets because I just wanted to kind of experience it as a fan and just, you know, kind of walk in. So I go down to my seat with my buddy and the beer vendor comes like in the second inning. And he comes and you know we you know I'm not averse to a beer on a hot day but we hadn't <laughs> ordered any and the guy goes uh, he starts taking two beers out of his tray and handing to us and I said uh, I said oh thanks how much I owe you and he goes no these are from the guy over there he points to a guy like eight rows back and he said he said uh, shoeless Joe doesn't pay at Comiskey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs>
4: also, so anyway we thought it was the greatest thing ever Not you know that you know we could afford our beer obviously but it was just the idea of it so by the sixth inning. We had about 12 beers backed up <laughs> under our seats. <laughs> and, and the thing was, it was just great. And no, it wasn't like people were coming over like, you know, can we take a picture? We want to hang out with you and bother you. Or not that anybody bothers you when they come over. It's just, it was not like that. It was, it was just such a cool thing. It was like they thought it was so neat that, that the movie had been made and that one of the guys from the movie was there. And so that, that's just a great memory I'll always have.
2: So uh, do you think Shula's yeah. Joe should be in the Hall of Fame?
4: I mean, absolutely. If, if Ty Cobb's in there, if uh, you know, there's so many people that are bad people are in the Hall of Fame. And Shoe Show really kind of has a bad rap. That whole, in that whole era of gambling, baseball wanted to have scapegoats of, that were gambling. But the reality was, in, in my research, what I found out, it 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 it's pretty much backed up by Elliot Eisenoff, who wrote the book Eight Men Out as well, is that the players all bet on games when they'd have a four-game series. Like if 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 the White Sox went into Boston and there was a four-game series and the Red Sox won the first two games, the third game would be in play. The Red Sox would would arrange with the White Sox who was going to win or lose that third game. And then if the the White Sox – oh, yeah, it was widespread. I mean, every team was betting all the time. And it's not in the movie but because you can't do too many seasons in a movie. But the reality is after the 1919 World Series, in the 1920 season, the White Sox were getting ready to throw the World Series again. Shoeless Joe Jackson was hitting 390 and he was having the best season probably of maybe of any hitter, you know, uh, uh, you know, for before World War II. And that's when the hammer came down the next season, 1920. So the events of the movie condensed all this action. But the reality was Ty Cobb, everybody that was playing baseball was dumping games. You know, that was just the way they did it. And and the fans knew it. So whenever one team won two games in a row, the fans kind of knew, okay, third game's in play
2: wow i had no idea i mean there's a book about the 1918 world series the year before uh between the cubs and the red sox and that book kind of speculates that that series was thrown by the cubs yeah,
4: i think that's 17 1917 world series because the 1918 they didn't
2: have one no it wasn't in 1918 because they did it early they did it like the season oh, ended oh, okay. in september uh and they did it uh 'Cause the White Sox were in the seventeen World Series. This is like the only area of knowledge yeah. I have, so
4: Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, I'm a, but i, I didn't a little know,
2: I did not know this about the, uh, the the widespread betting during the seasons. I had no idea.
4: Yeah, the players felt like, you know, the the whole point was to win the series. So if you won the series of games, you you could lose one of the games within that series and nobody was nobody's was really hurt by it.
2: Oh, That's very cool. Uh, you well, know, and there, there, there was nine.
4: What,
3: what the World Series then was? What nine games? Is that what? Yeah, it
4: was nine games. wasn't It It was yeah. And the year nineteen nineteen is the only year the World Series was nine games. And I thought in my mind, I thought that was because the, the, they felt that the demand was pent up because there hadn't been a series the year before. But maybe I have that part wrong.
2: I think it was just because the uh, the series was early the year before and then there was the whole obviously the pandemic and all that that was going on too so and we know what that's (laughs) like now
4: everything's old is new again right
2: yeah now uh, during this uh coronavirus imprisonment that's what i'm calling it we're all we're all watching more and more entertainment on tv the streaming services internet our phones and on twitter and facebook you'll see lists of like the greatest movies in certain categories and I saw uh, like the greatest sports movies list of all time. Eight men out was on it. But so was another one of your movies, The Cutting Edge, which uh you played a hockey player that became a doubles partner for figure skating, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is really a great experience for me. Uh the script was written by Tony Gilroy, who went on to, you know, write the Born Identity movies, Dorothy Clay Lars Claiborne Michael Collins, he's one of the best writers in Hollywood. He, they bring him into rewrite movies now where he doesn't get credit. He just gets a boatload of money. But the Cutting Edge was the movie that launched him. And that script was just word perfect. And they brought in Moira Kelly, who, who was just the perfect um, uh, foil for my character. You yeah, know, she was arrogant, really good, kinda. too hockey player. She's terrific. And uh, she was so good in that movie. I think it, it hurt her career in a way because people assumed that she was such a you know, rhymes with witch that that <laughs> they didn't want to work with her.
2: And, and the movie was, was directed by Starsky, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. Paul Michael Glazer directed it and uh, we had the guy, our camera operator was John Kassar who went off to become the uh, the boss on 24 and a bunch of other oh. shows. So he, he became a great filmmaker in his own right.
2: Well, yeah, I highly recommend that movie. It's it's a movie that kind of went under the uh, radar, um, but uh, I watched it after I saw it on the list, and it's really fantastic. I don't know how I missed it the first time around.
4: Oh, well, thanks. You know, we, we both learned to skate for that movie, and they gave us a three month period where we we both went to the same rink in New York City. Where I was living in the city, she was living in Long Island, and we'd meet at this rink at seven o'clock in the morning called Sky Rink on Ninth Avenue in New York, on the you know like on the eighth floor of this building. It's not there anymore and mgm rented out the rink for us so uh, very early on i discovered how to tweak more and how to get her going the same way the guy tweaks her in the movie and they had a rule that during figure skating time it was a sign in the rink you can't have hockey skates on on the ice and during hockey skating time you can't have figure skates on the ice which is just a stupid rule it that is somebody a stupid made, rule. You know, I mean, so anyway, but I but MGM had rented out the ice. So my opinion was we were exempt from the rules because we had rented out the you ice. you were
2: Hollywood stars; your rules do not yeah. apply to us. Well, but nobody else was on the ice. It was no, me I and Moira. But
4: Moira was like, she was like, no, we have to follow the rules, and it really irked her. So as soon as it irked her, I did it every time, and and that just so that that kind of and then she would find things to do to irk me, and 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 you know we obviously were just poking and teasing each other, but it was it was great, I and mean, it led right into the movie. Yeah, do wonderful. Hey, you got any good uh, Charlie Sheen stories from the days of uh, Two and a Half Men when you played Larry on Two and a Half Men? Well, what, you know, Charlie was gone by then when I I did Two and a oh. Half Men. But I but I had golden days of Charlie during uh, Eight Men Out and then uh, yeah, he was before in eight that. Out. Yeah, so here's the story of how he got into Eight Men Out. We did a movie called No Man's Land, which is about stolen cars, and during that movie, Charlie went from. Uh, Martin Sheen's kid that nobody ever heard of to the cover of Time Magazine while we were filming because of Platoon was about to come out and win all the Oscars. So I watched him transform from, you know, being nowhere to, you know, to a big star. Anyway, we finished that movie. I go off to learn to hit left-handed for Eight Men Out because, you know, I've got six months to learn how to hit lefty before we start filming. And Charlie goes off to do Wall Street. So I visit him in New York on the set because I live in New York at that time. And we go out to McSorley's Ale House and Charlie loved baseball. I knew that from when we worked together and, and he was uh, you know, a huge fan, Cincinnati Reds fan. We, we talked about it all the time. So I said, Charlie, we got to do this movie, uh, Eight Men Out and, and you know, I, over a couple of beers. And, and uh, he said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I said, it's about the White Sox. They throw the World Series. I said, I'll, I'm going to be the left fielder. You'll be the center fielder. It'll be awesome. Well, what I didn't tell him was that I was playing the iconic shoeless Joe Jackson, and he was playing Joe Blow. And so, so he he never read the script. So he's you know, so he shows up in Indianapolis, and he's sitting at the bar. And I walk into the hotel, and he's got a baseball hat on. He's smoking a cigarette. He's reading the script, and and he turns to me and he goes, "Hey, Dave, Dave, I'm on page 47. Where's my part? Where's
2: my part?" (laughs) <laughs> it's true. His part is pretty small in the movie. I mean, yeah, your it, part is much it, bigger. He beefed it up. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, now, he, was,
4: uh, he had a good time. I mean, he was really happy to be there. I think it took the pressure off to be out of the limelight for a minute.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm sure that's true. Uh, I mean, obviously, you, you've you you know run through with lots of big stars in, in your career. Lonesome Dove. I mean, that how many people on that show did not win some sort of Academy Award? You know what I mean? Robert Duvall. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, Angelica Houston, Chris Cooper, you know, unbelievable. And and that was ri- right in well, like late 80s, right? Was that when that came yeah, out?
4: Yeah, 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 89, I
2: think. Did you have to learn how to ride a horse for that?
4: I did. You know, it's, a, it's kind of a broken record here, but all these shows I had to develop a skill I didn't have. And I guess really all I knew how to do at that point was, you know, make good omelet and drink. So, so I didn't you want didn't make know any how to skate, about
2: that. you didn't know how to bat left-handed, and you didn't know how to ride a horse.
4: Yeah. And with the horse thing, I I felt like it was not smart to say it. So I lied to them and I told them that I had an uncle in Montana and I went and rode horses every, every summer, which <laughs> I'd never been to Montana. So they, they believed me and hired me. And uh, so I went out again, i live in New York city. So if you guys have been to central park, you know, they have the horses that you ride around the park. They're, right. they're basically, you know, they're like one step away from glue. Yeah. And so I, t- I figured I'll ride these horses a little bit, and I'll go upstate. There's a farm up there. I'll try and ride some horses up there. So the first time I tried to ride the horse in Central Park, I tried to like get the horse off the trail, you know, to like just cheat a little bit and try to get him to turn and move around a little bit. And the horse looks back at me like a New York City cab driver is like, "I got this, pal." We're not in. <laughs> like, like we're not leaving the trail. Like we stay on this little trail. I was like, okay. So this is not really working. So anyway, but I, but I did. I, I ended up going down to. uh, where uh, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez and Kiefer Sutherland were filming Young Guns in Arizona because they had all these horses. So I went down to hang out with those guys because I thought there wouldn't be any fun there. And uh yeah. rode, rode their horses on the set there for a couple weeks. And then as soon as they had the horses together in Texas, uh, in Austin, where we started filming, I, I started riding the, the real horses from the movie.
2: Uh, that's great. And by the way, you know, uh, Field of Dreams is another one of our favorite movies. Uh, um, Ray Liotta never bothered to learn how to hit left-handed. His Shoeless well, Joe I, was right-handed.
4: Yeah, and he, he had him – Ray throws left-handed, too, so he had like a mirror image of it. Um,
2: yeah. You know, this
4: is one of the stupidest things I've ever in my life is that they asked me to do that part, but I had only done three movies, and one of them was a baseball movie playing Shoeless Joe Jackson and I turned that movie down because I thought maybe I'll get typecast as a baseball player since I had played baseball before I was an actor, and I oh, thought people might kidding. say that's the only thing. You do. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's, just, that's a big disappointment for me, the way that movie turned out.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Phenomenal movie. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up. I, we love yeah. that movie, too.
3: Great movie. How, it must have been impossible. How did you learn how to hit left-handed? God, that has to be really difficult to do, wasn't it?
4: It was pretty hard you know like i had swung a bat lefty you know all the years i played baseball you know, playing wiffle ball or just messing around but i'd never done it against you know live pitching and uh so it, you know it's a different thing and I, it's not enough to just be able to do it yet i wanted to be able to look like the best hitter in baseball in 1919 right. which is what she joe jackson was and uh i started on a tee i spent a lot of time on a batting tee uh in uh you know broke a lot of lamps and hotel rooms and then uh, i just started going to the range and i, I just you know just repetitions i did it as much as i could and then i spent the last two months with the kenosha twins um in the midwest league riding around riding the buses and took wow. bp for every game and left-handed and uh sat on the bench for the games and, and just just had a great time
3: okay, that okay sounds, you have the like perfect a- life yeah, exactly Holy crap you've had a wonderful life man this
4: is awesome <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun doing those movies in those time in that time because you know they they would encourage you to sort of, you know, immerse yourself in diving. They wouldn't pay to do it all the time. On Cutting Edge, they paid us to train. But most of these movies are on your own time. But it's a fun thing. I mean, you get to go out and learn. I, what I need to get is a golf movie. You know, maybe that'll be the final yeah. Get my game going on that area. I, I need, I need uh, Phil Mickelson to teach me how to do short game.
2: Well, you know, now you're yeah. writing and directing yourself. Just write one. I should. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, come on. Now, well, let's talk about two dumb mix because uh, – you actually uh, are the writer and the director of this. Uh, first of all, most important question are you Irish? I am. Okay, That's why I don't good. Get to say it. Okay, good. Because <laughs> otherwise, you're going to be in big trouble for this. I, you know, I watched the episode. You sent us a great episode with uh, Sean Aston, who's the other dumb mick in the show. And you are uh, th- the episode, I don't want to spoil it too much, is about ducks and foie gras. <laughs> it's really freaking hilarious can you talk to us about how people can find it because it's it's uh it's kind of an unusual approach
4: yeah we just decided we we weren't exactly sure where we were going to do it as a series we always planned to do it as a series of like you know six seven minute long episodes that people could watch on their phone or their computer or whatever and with this epidemic we just thought everybody's running out of things to watch so let's just throw the first episode out there and let everybody get to know it and then as you know, we'll figure out what they like about it, what they don't like about it and incorporate that into the filming of the other, other episodes. So it's gonna premiere tomorrow night on Facebook Live, um, April first at seven PM Eastern. So you go on Facebook, put in two dumb mix, it'll pop right up and you can watch it. After it's over, Sean and I are gonna do question and answer and the whole thing. If you miss it, it'll still be there and it'll also be on YouTube. And do the same thing go to YouTube and put in too dumb mix there's no b in the dumb too dumb mix okay and if you fill all that you can go to twodummix.com and there's information there and it's just it's just meant to be a, a harmless uh laugh like slapstick where because a lot of comedy now is is it, it, you know somebody gets pissed off by every joke you tell now so it's yeah, true I, I wanted to figure out a way to do it, something that everybody could laugh at together.
2: You know I so you watched got two it with some white
4: guys getting yeah. hit with a pie in the face, you know how can that, you know, that's good for everybody. I watched well, it with
2: what, my youngest son what, what, and he and he compared it to the Three Stooges.
4: Oh, awesome. That's exactly what we're going <laughs> for. Roland well, Hardy, Three Stooges, you know, I mean, we would love to be as good as that. Uh, but that's exactly what we want.
2: Oh, that's cool. What
4: are you doing what are you doing during self quarantining? I, 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 I yeah. You got kids home? How, do you Yeah, you I got a, a- I got a teenage son and a teenage daughter, a senior in high school and a freshman. And, you know, it's very sad for my son. His, uh, you know, senior year is over pretty much. You know, they, live, yeah. they lost their senior trip. They're not going to have graduation. And it's a weird time. And he, you know, he's 18 years old. So he was born uh, two weeks before 9 11. And then yeah. now he's got this. It's like, it's, it's, you know, those are two massive events in, yeah. uh, you know, in somebody's life. So, and my daughter, it, it's tough on her too because, She's not as extroverted as my son, so it's already an effort for her to go and socialize and things. And so now, you know, it's a little more pressure on her. And it's, it's tough. I mean, it's tough for everybody, obviously. And I hope it doesn't turn out to be uh, as dire as everybody's saying, but, you know, we're trying to play along and
3: stay inside. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's all, all we can do. Well, it's, uh, thank you, Lucky Star. You don't have three teenage daughters at home like oh, I do right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so. he's got three daughters. I've got three sons. So we, we feel oh. your pain. Uh, but but DB, DB uh, they call you Deeb or DB. Well,
4: actually, Charlie Sheen used to call me Deeb, and that kind of stuck. But usually DB.
2: Okay, well no, we really appreciate doobie. you being he on was the show. We're saying Doobie, not DB. <laughs> oh, so you live in Hinsdale. That's how you know. Uh, that's how you know Neil Sant.
4: Yeah, yeah. You live right. Where we share backyards. Oh, I had no idea.
2: Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks a lot. And you know, we wish you the best. And we're gonna follow along here. Uh, on Too dumb mix. Uh, and, and we'll make sure that we get the word out for people to go see it.
4: Yeah. And it's, you know, the thing I'm just learning about all this, uh, engagement stuff, but if people like it, if they leave a comment, if they tell their friends, spread the word, the more eyeballs we get and the more responses we get, um, the sooner we'll be able to bring more episodes.
2: All right. Well, thanks very much for being on the show.
4: Hey, thanks buddy. And be, uh, be well and be safe. And, uh,
3: this is this crazy time. Thank
4: you very much for having me on.
2: All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Heck of a guy.
3: Go, go White Sox. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I? You know what I should do? I should. I'm. I'm going to send him photos of my scorecard booth. Oh,
2: oh. maybe he'll buy it off of you. Yeah,
3: exactly. Right, uh, you, you Julia. I'm on the air. Shh. <laughs> Julia, know. I'm doing the show. Twenty-five thousand people are going to know that you're impatient. <laughs> you, you can go downstairs, but be quiet.
2: Oh my okay. god. All right, then. Uh, You know what I was thinking? He he does that show with Sean Astin, right? Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Two dumb uh, mix. Two dumb mix. Imagine you're in Chicago, and that's where they film it. They film it in Chicago, and there's Shoeless Joe and Rudy, right? Right, right. Sports (laughs) legends. What are you guys doing? All right. Don't forget, next uh, next week on the the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we'll have – Amy Landecker on with us. <laughs> so that's uh, something you should check out because uh, we go way back with Amy and uh, she's got some unbelievably great stories. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasana with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with the Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of minutiae this opi podcast was recorded at an earlier date some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances consult your local health authorities for the latest on covid19
0: the proceeding was a presentation of opi productions find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts including opishows.com Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up?
2: I am Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. And on Back to You, our podcast, we do all kinds of things like how would you describe it? We do nitpicky things sometimes, like how come you got headphones on and I don't? Because I'm the
4: star of the show. Well, see, that's up for uh, debate and deliberation. And uh, a lot of the show is about who gets top billing and last word. Well, we'll find out on the next Back to You with
2: Howard Sudbury and Steve. Steve Baskerville. See ya. Bye. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. An Opie show only on the Radio
4: Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved a better
3: place.
2: RadioMisfits.com. Soccer's not back, but that doesn't mean we can't do a show, right, Adam?
3: Yes, lots to talk about.
2: <laughs> and let's face it, we're stir crazy. We're sitting here in our homes. We can't really do much uh, in our homes. And so what the hell? Let's let's uh, <laughs> let's find out what's going on in the world of soccer. Free kicks with Adam and Rick, a Tony Lasano podcast. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits.